Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. This is not a stranger to many of you. Pastor Dutchery has been with us before. He's spoken to us before. I'm excited about getting a chance to hear him today. He's pastor of First Baptist Church of Milford in Milford, Ohio. How many of you recognize Very Precious Seed and Master Clubs? Wonderful. This is where that's from. And so uh, I count Pastor Dutcher as a dear friend of the ministry. I'm thankful for his leadership, his example, and his faithfulness and godly counsel to me and my wife. It's my privilege to introduce him today. And quite frankly, he's been probably one of the most influential men in my life. And it started off with uh, my wife and I. This is my wife's home church pastor, and uh, we married over 18 years ago. And uh, he married us, and I'm thankful for that. I was also ordained underneath his ministry and had the privilege of serving with him in ministry together. And look so forward to today and what God has placed on his heart for our church today and what God is going to give to him uh, from his word to us. So I pray you're ready and your heart is open. Would you do this? Would you stand with us, grab your Bible, and uh, stand with us if you would. He'll be speaking this morning and this evening, so I trust you'll come back tonight and uh, just pray that God speaks to you and uses the message of his word. He's going to open up the word of God, so you're ready now to open up uh, the word of God to exactly where he tells you, and it's so good to have you today, Pastor Dutchery. Thank you, Brother Austin. Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter number one this morning. Romans chapter number one. I'd just like to read one verse before I begin this morning. Romans chapter number one. Good to see you. I have been here, the opportunity and privilege several times to come preach the missions conference here several years ago. And I knew your pastor, Brother Rydell, knew uh, his father as well, still do. And uh, so I appreciate them. And thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, with you today. Romans chapter number one. I want to read just one verse, verse number 12. Romans chapter number one, verse number 12. That is that I, I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness and your blessings. Thank you for the time together this morning. I pray that you bless this church. Thank you for them. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the word of God that we have a place to go today. That is truth and we can rest upon. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you just help us today now as we get into it. And show us what you'd have us to see. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd uh, just uh, exalt your name. And if there's someone here that's never come to Christ, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. For many others, we rejoice in what you have done for us in our lives in knowing you. Thank you for your love. As in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Romans chapter number one, verse number 12. As I begin today, I obviously have been praying and thinking about this particular day with you. And um, I uh, just want you to know I understand a little bit about where you're at as a church. Um, I followed uh, a man who had pastored for 35 years. And uh, I went in, uh, into that particular pastorate, and uh, that was 23 years ago. 
So a man had followed the pastor before me, had been there for 35 years, and then I went in and became the pastor 23 years ago. And now I am in the position where we are transitioning again, and our church is getting a new pastor. So I understand what it is to be in this area of transition within your church. I know it from the perspective of the pastor's place, both of one who was coming in and a former leaving, and now in the position where the new is coming in and I am leaving. And so I know it from both perspectives, from the pastor's perspective. You as a church family are dealing with it. Some of you, I'm sure many of you, uh, you were here when Dr. Rydell was here and then uh, his son came and uh, now you are in transition again. And so I understand uh, what you're going through from that perspective. And uh, uh, the reason that I mention that is, that is something thus we have in common. Jude went to write the book of Jude, and he said I desi he desired to write unto them of the common salvation, something that they could both uh, understand and both relate to. In this particular passage of Scripture in Romans chapter number 1, allow me to read again verse number 12, and I want you just to mark a phrase in that verse, because he says in Romans 1.12, that is, that I may be comforted together with you, would you mark the phrase, by the mutual faith. By the mutual faith. This is a very interesting book that the Apostle Paul wrote course, Paul wrote multiple books of the New Testament, most believe 13 of them, including the book of Hebrews that Paul wrote. He wrote those two letters, the letters we read as the book of Colossians or Ephesus or the, two, the church at Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, or to the church at Thessalonica in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And so Paul wrote those epistles because of a relationship that he had with those people. Let me illustrate. If you'll go with me back to Acts chapter number 20, and let me show you just a, a verse or two from the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter number 20, of course, Paul has been on his missionary journeys, and on his missionary journeys, he went to a place called uh, Ephesus. And while he was there, of course, God used him. Uh, when you get to Acts chapter number 20, uh, Paul is making his way back, and he's uh, backtracking somewhat. In uh, chapter number 20, the Bible said in verse number 16, for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus. And so Paul desired to go back to this group of people because he had been there he, had, he knew them, he loved them, he had ministered to them, they had ministered to him. And so Paul was desiring to be back with the church at Ephesus. Matter of fact, in this verse it says there, uh, and so in verse 17, and from Miletus he uh, sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church. And he brings the elders of the church unto them, and he said, When they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, 
And then Paul goes through and he said, I serve the Lord with all humility of mind in verse number 19. In verse 20, he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable. In verse 21, he said, we testified both to the Jew and also to the Greek. In verse 22, he said, I was bound in the spirit to go into Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say in verse number 26, wherefore, I take it to you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And then when you close out this particular chapter, this particular time with uh, Paul with the people at Ephesus, in verse number 36, it says this, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down, prayed with them, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck, and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. You see, it's pretty obvious that Paul knew the church at Ephesus pretty well. He had called the elders at this particular place, and he had asked them to come meet him. They respected him enough that they had left Ephesus, and they came to Paul so that Paul could speak to them again. And he speaks about how that he had been with them, and he had uh, spent time with them, and he had not shunned to declare the whole gospel of, the, of Christ. And so Paul had a great relationship with the people of Ephesus. So when I read the book of Ephesians, it's very easy to see that Paul is gripped by his love for his, these people, and they are gripped to him because of their love for him and what he has bestowed upon them. And so this love because of their relationship was mutual. Now, going back to Romans chapter number one, I want you to notice that in chapter number one, Paul is writing this letter. It's the letter to the believers at Rome. Now, there's something different about this letter. Here's what's different. Paul had never met them. Paul had not been with them. Paul had not spent time with them preaching the word of God. They do not know him. They know of him, but they don't know him. So Paul says in Romans chapter number 1, in verse number 12, he said, I want you to know what I am giving you. I am giving you not because you love me and I love you, and not because I love you and you love me. He's saying, I'm giving what I'm going to give you as he writes the book of Romans because he was saying, you love somebody, and I love the same somebody. So it's not your love to me or my love to you. It's your love to him and my love to him. And so Paul's writing this letter of the book of Romans to a people he's never met. And he's writing it to a people that he, he desires to go there. And we'll go there a little bit tonight, back in the book of Acts. We'll be back in Romans 1. But if you'll notice in Romans chapter number 1 and verse 10, Paul says this, making requests, he is asking them, he is asking a request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. 
So Paul's, uh, the church of Ephesus, the church of Colossae, the church of Thessalonica, the church of Corinth, Paul been there. He loved the people. They loved him. He had instructed them. They had taken instruction. He had spent time with them. And so they had a, a mutual love one for another. And so when you read those epistles, you can read Paul's heart to their heart and their heart to Paul's heart and how they were already knit together and thus received what they received from Paul in his letter specifically to them. The book of Romans, though, is is so different because, again, Paul is desiring in chapter number 1 and verse 10, he's asking them to please pray for him because he wants to have a prosperous journey, and he wants to come, the Bible says, by the will of God. We'll preach on that tonight. He wants to come by the will of God to them, and he wants to impart to them some truth. He has not met them. They have not met him. Now, he is going to, as he does in most of his books, he introduces himself, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. In his writing, he simply writes, Paul a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now you notice here, I notice just a couple of things. I, first of all, Paul simply saying who he was, and then he is, a, he's, a, he's attaching now the reason he is desiring or believes that they will take heed to what he gives them. And the reason that he is writing or what's going to connect them is the mutual faith in verse number one is simply this. If you'll mark them, separated, number one, unto the gospel of Christ. Look down in verse number nine. He said, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. Would you mark the phrase in the gospel of his son? And then when you get over in verse number 16, very familiar verse, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Here's Paul writing a letter to a group of people that he's never met, who has not met him. And so what he does is he says to them, we have mutual faith in the gospel. We have mutual faith in the good news, in the good news Chapter number one and verse number one, the good news, he says, he marks it the gospel of God. And then he said in verse number nine, the gospel of his son. And then he refers in verse number 16, the gospel of Christ. Now you say, is Paul saying here, is Paul writing to these people he's never met, who have never met him, that there are more than one gospel? No, he's not. What he's doing is he's simply laying out to them a truth and some doctrine about what they have trusted in and whom they have trusted in. They have trusted in God, that's the Father. They have trusted in God, that's the Son. They have trusted in the resurrection, that is Christ. Christ is his resurrected name. So he simply refers to it as the gospel of the Father, the gospel, he says, of God, Then he refers to it as the gospel of his son. That's the person of Jesus Christ, the incarnate person of Christ. And then he says in verse number 16, he uses the phrase, the gospel of Christ. 
in the fact that you have believed that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son who died on the cross of Calvary and rose again on the third day. Now, if you believe that, that's what I believe. We have mutual faith. We can talk together. We can relay together. There's some things that I can say to you, and there's some things that you will understand when I talk to you. And the reason is, is because we have a mutual faith. You know him, and I know him. You know the God who loves you. You know the Son who came. You know the Christ who rose from the dead. And you've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thus, because you have, and thus, because I have, now I want to pray, and I want you to pray, that I will have a prosperous journey to come unto you. And so Paul's laying this out in this first chapter of the book of Romans. Now, the book of Romans, uh, uh, obviously, is going to talk about life. It's really a book about life. He is simply saying to the believer, he wants them to know doctrinally some issues, and then he's going to deal with them about some practical things. So the first, tw- uh, first actually, 12 cha- 11 chapters are doctrinal chapters. And so he talks about the Jew is lost. He talks about the Gentile is lost. In chapter number three, all are lost. In chapter number four, Abraham and David are saved by faith. In chapter number five, he talks about justification or salvation. Chapter number six, you have a, the battle with, with self. And then you, then you have the battle of the flesh in chapter number seven, the things I would, I do not, and the things I would not, those I do. And then in chapter number eight, he says, now you can have victory over the flesh and over self through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. And then chapters nine, 10, and 11, he's simply saying to them, now I understand from a Jew to a Gentile, and you're trying to figure out, are you accepted or are you not accepted? The church at Rome or the Christians at Rome were primarily Gentile. And so Paul's the apostle to the Gentile. And so he's writing to them that as a Gentile, you've been grafted in. So chapters 9, 10, and 11, Paul said, look, the Jew rejected They rejected who? They rejected the Father's love. They rejected the Son who came. They rejected the resurrection. And because because they have rejected it, you as a Gentile people have been grafted in. And so now God loves you as his people, as he does his own people, the Jew. And the reason is, is because of what God has done, what the Son did, and that he rose again on the third day. And then chapter number 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies. And he spends the last chapters practical truths, verse after verse after verse after verse. Now going back to Romans chapter number one, as Paul lays this foundation of his mutual faith, We can see it very simply. Mark, if you would, is just going down through just a few of them. Look in verse number one. Paul mentions this. Paul is servant of Jesus Christ. He said in verse number one, the gospel of God. 
He says in verse number two, which he had promised afore by the prophets, mark the phrase, holy scriptures. Look in verse number three, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, our Lord, look in verse number six. He said, among whom you're also called of Jesus Christ. Look in verse number seven. He said to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number eight. I thank my God through Jesus Christ. He is simply making sure they understand that what he is going to give them is because of their mutual relationship with the same person. And so if you would go down through, and I'll not continue, but you can go through verse after verse after verse in this first chapter, and Paul's not saying, listen, because I, Paul. Listen, I, Paul, have a relationship with you. Listen, you and I have a relationship. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, you love God, I love God, because I love God, and you love God, I'm going to give you some things that I would like you to know. And God's going to use me to speak to you. And so Paul lays all of this out in the first chapter, trying to take away the thought of, who's this guy? Take away the thought of, who, what gives him the right to say that? What, who, why would he come and what, what, why should we listen? Paul's taking all of that away in the first chapter by pointing them to the person of Christ. Now we know that we, he mentions in verse number 12, a mutual faith. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4 and verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He said this way to Titus, he said to Titus, mine own son after the common faith. In 2 Peter, Peter wrote this way, he said a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. John wrote it this way, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So whether you read it elsewhere, it's written, it comes back to one thing, and that is there's only salvation in one place. Only salvation in one person. And Paul is reiterating this fact as he begins this letter to the Believer at Rome, whom he has failed to meet. Go with me now to Romans chapter number 8. Let me give you another verse. Romans chapter number 8, if I could. Romans 8, and let's, let's look at verse number 17. Romans 8 and verse number 17. Here he says, and if children, and that's what all of us are, if children, then we're heirs. If we're heirs, then we're heirs of God. If we're heirs of God, then we're joint heirs with Christ. So he's laying all of this out so that they understand their position in the person of Christ. Paul's saying, I am, you are, mutual faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Thus, he says, <clears throat> I am writing what I am writing. <clears throat> Verse number 17. If children, heirs. If heirs, joint heirs. If so be... That we have, that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now go back with me to Romans chapter number one, 
And let me just give you a couple of quick thoughts and I'll close this morning. This kind of lays the foundation for the whole book of Romans and it'll help you to understand as you study the book of Romans, Paul's heart for the people is because of his heart for God. And the reason that they would read it is because of their heart for God. In Romans chapter number one, Paul's going to mention something. He's going to mention three things. The first one I want you to notice in verse number one, Paul said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, do you know what Paul's life was prior to his salvation? Do you know, do you know, do you remember anything about what is said of Paul prior to the road to Damascus. Go with me to Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter number three. The book of Philippians, chapter number three. Go to Philippians, chapter number three. Paul's going to just quickly give us, he's going to say to the church of Philippi, which is to anybody, he's still, he's going to give it to us. Look at verse number four. Paul's going to describe himself, and this is the description prior to salvation. So this is what he was. Romans 1.1 is who he is. So you have in a person's life who they were and what was, and now you have in this person's life who they are, and the reason is, is because they are in Christ. Philippians chapter number three, verse number four says this, though I might have, I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man think that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. I just want to ask you this. Does that sound like a servant? I don't know that that's the sound of a servant speaking of himself. He's describing what he was before he met Christ and became a servant. So he says in verse number four, if any man think that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised eighth day, stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, which is in the law, blameless. But now watch. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. So Paul, upon meeting Christ, he was... A persecutor. Upon coming to Christ, he becomes a proclaimer, a preacher, one who is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So he's speaking in Romans chapter number one of simply this. We have mutual faith and our mutual faith has done this for both of us. You have a was life and I have a was life. I had a life before, and I've got a life after. I know what I was, but now I know who I am. And what I was, 
was about the flesh. What I am is a servant. You see, they're opposites, aren't they? And the reason they're opposites is because that's what Christ does in a person's life. He changes everything about them and everything's opposite. If you're here and you're lost, to you everything's about the flesh. You live to the flesh. You live to self. You live to self-proclamation. You live to selfishness. You are lost. Your destination is hell. That's where you will spend all of eternity. If you die, if you're not saved, you'll spend eternity in hell. But now if you are saved, everything is different. And what is different, you had a was, I once was, but now I am not. What Paul was, was a Pharisee. What Paul was, was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. What Paul was, is zeal towards the church in persecution. What Paul became, is a servant. Now, he didn't do that on his own. He did that by what? By the gospel of God. By the gospel of his son. By the gospel of Christ. By accepting what God did, what the son did, and what Christ did by coming forth on the third day. So the question that Paul's laying out as he begins is, do you know the same God I know? Do we truly have a mutual faith? Have you trusted in the person of Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Have you become a new creature in Christ? Now here's this, here's a, I don't want to say the sad part. I, I just, um, trying to think of when it was. It was three years ago. Three years ago, I made a trip to Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania. I made a trip to Pennsylvania, and when I was in Pennsylvania, I went to a place called the Camp Kanasataki. You probably never heard of it. But I remember I went there for several years in a row with our church camp. That's where we went. And in 1968, as a nine-year-old boy, I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. So three years ago, I went back to that camp. I went back to the place. You say, is there anything special about the place? Not to you, but it is to me. I ask you, do you go back to the place? Is there a place? Is there a time? Is there a, a, a place you go to uh, that you remember that you knelt? Maybe it's at an altar like this, steps like this. Maybe it's been redesigned and it looked a little different and everything was a little, colors were different and stage or platform might have been different. But you remember going to a place. Or maybe your place was in your living room or maybe your place was on a street corner when somebody offered you a track and said to you, I want you to know the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to know the gospel of God. God loves you. I want you to know the gospel of Christ, the Son. I want you to know about Him. He lived a perfect life. He was God's only begotten Son. Without Him, you're going to spend eternity in hell. But He went to the cross paid your sin debt. On the third day, he rose again. It's the gospel of Christ. 
Do you have the same? Do we have mutual faith? The God that I believe in and I've been born again and I've trusted Christ. Have you trusted in the same? Or are you still trusting your flesh? You still have, you're still living in the was life for me or the was life for somebody else. So I see, first of all, he speaks of whom he is in Christ. Now I want you to notice verse number nine. So who he is in Christ, he has become a servant. He wasn't a servant. Matter of fact, he was in control. He had probably servants. He probably had those who served him. But now he is one who is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He has become a servant. I want you to notice, secondly, that happens with the gospel of God tied to it. My second one is verse number nine. He said in the gospel of his spirit or in the gospel of his son. What's in the gospel of his son? Verse number nine. For God is my witness whom I serve. Mark now this one with my spirit. My walk changed who I was to who I am. Who I was to who I am. That's changed. That changed when I understood that God loved me. But now he's going to talk about the gospel further. And he says now, he said, God is my witness whom I serve. Mark little phrase, with my spirit. You know what's changed now? His insides changed. His demeanors changed. Do you ever hear somebody say this? Just who I am. I want to say to you, then just let God change you. And then you can become just like he is. Instead of just like you are. Well, that's just the way I am. I don't really care what anybody thinks. It's the opposite. When a person comes to know Christ, we become not only we become a new creature in Christ, placed in the Father, in the Son. But now he says in verse number eight, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. His spirit changes. When I walked in this morning, we might say something to, again to the effect, or if you walk into any church, you want to sense, we call it sensing the spirit of God. We want to go in and know that God is present. We want to know, is, is, it, is it God being lifted up or is this a place where man's lifted up? Is this a place, and what, how do you judge that? How do you, what do you get? What you get is you get the, the spirit of people. You get the demeanor of people. You get a, a frown or a smile. You get a grunt or an hello. You get a disposition of unpleasantness or a disposition of friendliness. What makes the difference? He makes the difference. He makes the difference. He's the one that changes that in me. So he changed, number one, his walk. He changed his spirit. 
And then look in verse number 15. My third one here, he says, for I am not ashamed. He uses the phrase, the gospel of Christ. Now what's he changed? Verse 15, so as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. When you study Acts, you know that Acts chapter number 8 begins with Saul, yet breathing out threatenings to find anybody of this way. And by the time you get done with the ninth chapter, you have Paul preaching this way. Everything's changed. The man who was now is different. What he, what he, way he walked, his, his having others serve him, now he has become the servant. And he's becoming the servant and he has submitted himself to God. His spirit has changed in verse number nine. Now his speech and his proclamation has changed. you ever run across somebody who says when I accepted Christ as my personal savior my whole vernacular changed my, my speech changed the words I used changed the things I used to say I don't say anymore not only it's not what we don't say that has changed what's changed is what we do say so you take a, that out that should not be there, but you put in what should be there. We often said when I was a kid, if you take out, if you take out a, a, a teenager's music, you take out bad music, put good music in. Because you don't take something out and leave a hole there. So what do you got? If you take out that old you, that, that old flesh, and you put in that now a spirit, that servant, now you got the spirit. Now you're going to put in, what are you going to place in place of that language that you shouldn't be using? You put in now a language that should be being used. You put in the gospel. Paul said, uh, so as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that at Rome also, I've not met you. I don't know you. You don't know me, but I can't wait to preach the gospel unto you. You see why? Because he knew and they knew the same God. And that God who had changed Paul, he had heard had changed them. And because they were changed in the person of Christ and he had been changed in the person of Christ, He's saying, will you please pray with me that I have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you because I desire something. Look what he desires. And I close verse number 11. Here's what he desires. Paul says this, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end, ye may be established. 
That is the opposite of Paul's old life. Because, but he lives a new life now. He serves a new master. His spirit is different. His walk is different. His spirit is different. His speech is different. And so he said, will you please pray? I want to be there with you because I want to share with you what God has done in my own life. And I want to share with you something that will help to establish you as God established me. I don't know if you know this, but I want to impart to you some spiritual gift so that you might be established. You might know him better. We use the phrase, iron sharpeneth iron. Paul wasn't naive enough to say he was the only one. He was just simply saying, I want to share what God's done in my life. And they would share what God did in their life. And Paul would be encouraged by them and comforted by them and strengthened by them, just like they would be strengthened and comforted by Paul. And the reason? Mutual faith. I believe in the gospel of God. I believe in the gospel of his son. I believe in the gospel of Christ. Do you believe in the same gospel? The good news, God loves you. The good news, Jesus came to this earth, lived 33, 33 and a half years, a perfect sinless life. God's only begotten son. He went to the cross of Calvary. On the third day, he rose again. I believe in the gospel of the risen Savior. And the only way we can call it mutual is if you have the same faith in the same God. Let us pray. My Father in heaven, I love you. And I thank you for yourself. I thank you for your love and your mercy, your kindness and your forgiveness, your long-suffering and your patience. Lord, I'm not worthy only in the person of Christ. And Lord, there might be someone here today who's never trusted Christ. They've never been born again. They still live in the old man, the old nature. They're destined and headed to hell, a place of a lake of fire. But yet, God, you love them enough to send your only begotten son who died on the cross and rose again on the third day so that they could know you and their life would change and their spirit would change and their speech would change because they would become a new creature in Christ. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to ask you today by raised hand, and I probably wouldn't see everybody's anyway, but you'd like to raise your hand and say, Preacher, I'm saved. I want to give testimony. Would you slip it up? I just want to slip up my hand. I want, I want you to know I've trusted Christ. Thank you. You may take it back down. There might be somebody here this morning, and you've, you're not a new creature. You're still strapped with the old flesh. You still live for self. You're still selfish. You're still destined. You're on your way to hell. But God loves you. You're here this morning and say, Preacher, I'd like to know 
how to get to heaven. I like to know that I was saved. I like to know that I've been born again. I like to be said that I once was, but I'm no longer because of the person of Jesus Christ. But I can't do that right now. Would you slip your hand up and say, Preacher, will you pray for me? I don't know you. I couldn't, I can't pick you out. I couldn't pick you out of a crowd. But God knows your heart. And you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm not God's child. I'm not a born-again believer. Would you slip your hand up and I'd just like to pray for you. I can't save you. A church doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't save you. Salvation's only in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul laid out here. It's only in Jesus. Is there anyone this morning say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I've never been born again. That ends the case. That would mean all of us. Not a single person raised their hand, not saved. Then we have a mutual faith. We have a mutual reason to come together. We can come together and say we're a family because we become the children of God, joint heirs with Christ in our God's in God's family. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. In way of invitation, uh, I don't know you. You can pray where you're at. You can come to an altar if you choose to. I always tell my folks at the church where I'm at, the altar is a place of prayer and a place of praise. And sometimes I want to come and bear my, I want to I lay my burdens down. But there are other times I just want to come and just rejoice. I just want to come and bow before him and call his name out, kneel in his presence. And so you, whichever the case, whether you pray where you're at, whether you desire to come, as the the music's playing, if you need to respond to the Lord for whatever reason this morning, you do so. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.